We're starting our new series called Undeserving. And uh, it's all about the fact that we just don't deserve God's immense grace and mercy. Amen. But nonetheless, God poured it out on you and me. Just the other day, I was going to my favorite coffee spot after dropping my children off at the, at the, uh, the babysitter down the street here. And if anybody knows me, my favorite coffee spot is Donut Inn. It is not Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks is when I'm feeling expensive. <laughs> They're changing the name to Starbucks. I don't know if you know that. It's going to be called Four Bucks uh, because there's nothing under Four Bucks there. Amen. I don't like Dunkin' Donuts. It's my last choice because Donut Inn has this coffee over there, and they might put some type of drugs in there because I'm addicted. I've been addicted now for something like 10 years. And I went over there. And I went to the drive-thru, because I go to the one in Fairfield in the circle, because the drive-thru there. And I went over there, and I'm just in line, and I was, you know, just minding my business. And I got to the little, little speaker thing, and I made my order, and I said, I want a, a small, extra light and sweet with a travel lid and a Portuguese roll toasted with butter. Same order I get every day. Unless I'm feeling cheeky, and I, and I get like a, you know, a glazed donut or something. If I'm feeling, you know, really good about myself. I drive up to the window. And I, I go to hand the lady my card, and she says, nope, the guy two cars in front of you, he paid for the next few cars. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. He better have paid me something. He owed it to me. I deserve this. I need this coffee in my life. I deserve it. It's mine. Give it to me, girl, and drove off. I didn't do that. Because <laughs> that's a stupid reaction to a gift. I actually said to the lady, take $10 off this card I'm giving you for the next few cars. Because in that moment, all I could think about was God's mercy and grace. Some of us think we deserve God's mercy. Some of us act like we deserve God's grace. Some of us act like we deserve God's forgiveness, and we don't. We walk around like God owed us something. But if you look at Scripture, it tells us one thing. We were undeserving of what God gave to us. We did not deserve the thing that God gave us. Did not. But he gave it nonetheless. Many people, you're... Your good works are your basis to heaven. They say stuff like, well, I'm not a bad person. It's not about good or bad. It's not. It's about believing in Jesus or not. Well, why would God, why would a loving God, why would he do that? Why would he send me to hell? I'm a good person, God. No, you need to have faith in Jesus Christ. You need to believe in him. Well, why would God only make one way to heaven? Why would God make any? That's the real question. And so scripture tells us that we're undeserving, but man tries to put his value on what he does for God and what he is for God, rather than what he believes through God. And we are undeserving of God's mercy, God's grace. I'm undeserving of it. Every moment of the day, I understand that I am undeserving of God's forgiveness. Every moment of the day, I understand that I am undeserving of God's mercy and grace. 
And I'm not alone. In Scripture, a man whose name is Paul, the apostle, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul has the same mindset. And Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considers me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Come on, bow your heads to Heavenly Father. We thank you for your word. We know it's already blessed. You know, every person in this room, every person you desire to be here, and we know that you have a plan to speak to our hearts today. So open our spiritual ears. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, in this scripture, Paul is writing to one of his pastors that he oversees, and his name is none other than Timothy. And in this particular set of verses, Paul is talking about his thankfulness to God for God's grace in his life. Paul, in particular, had a ton to be thankful for. As Paul describes in verse 13, he was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor of the church. Paul wasn't always a Christian. Paul was what you would call a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were a religious group within the Jewish faith. And they were considered the best of the best. And they knew it all. And they were considering themselves to be perfect people. And Paul, when he first heard about Christianity, he hated Christians with all of his heart. And he persecuted them. He imprisoned them. He tortured them. He beat them. And Paul says, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. He had done many dirty, sinful deeds before God. This is, this is what Paul is talking about. He's saying that Christ, though, in spite of all the things that Christ, that rather Paul did, in spite of all the sinfulness that Paul had, Jesus met Paul where Paul needed him most. Jesus met Paul right in the midst of his sinfulness. Jesus met Paul right in the midst of all of the ungodly things he was doing on the road to Damascus in the book of Acts. Jesus meets Paul right there. And Paul converts and Paul becomes a Christian and his life is forever changed. Because Paul had a revelation of the grace of God. And we hear this word grace a lot in church. We hear this word a lot in church. And grace in the simplest definition is this, is that it's God's unmerited favor in our lives. We don't deserve God's favor, but God gives it nonetheless. It's unmerited. In other words, there's nothing I can do to earn God's mercy or forgiveness. I could never earn my way to heaven. I could never do that. It's only based on what Jesus did on the cross. And if my faith isn't in Jesus, I can't get to heaven. But grace tells us that God gives us something we don't deserve. Grace tells us that God gives us the very thing that we do not deserve. And and because of it, we have access into heaven. Because of it, God can work in us. There was nothing I could do to gain eternal life. There was nothing except Jesus being the path. 
Scripture teaches we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2, 9 and 10. It's not by our good works. It's not by your good deeds. It's not by how many times you come to church or how many ministries you serve in. It's not on anything else except Jesus. I told the first service, there was people who were here till 4 in the morning setting up for church today, doing different things. They were here last night. But you know what? That don't get them into heaven. Hey, God, I was the guy 4 o'clock, <laughs> April 3rd. That was me. <laughs> but did you know Jesus? That's what he'll ask them. And Paul knows this, and Paul, in these verses, he's expressing this, and Paul says this, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, I was a violent man. Has, has anybody here ever used God's name in vain? Oh, I wish I had an honest church. Have you ever used God's name in vain? You're a blasphemer. By definition, a, a person who blasphemes God, they use his name in vain. Has anybody ever made fun of a Christian? Oh, all the giggles is guiltiness. Have you ever made fun of a church? Have you ever just mocked somebody for their faith? You're a persecutor. So far, you got two things in common with Paul. This is going really good. I'm afraid to ask the last one. He says, I was a violent man. Have you ever been violent? Have you ever slapped somebody you shouldn't have? You ever killed somebody in your head you shouldn't have? You ever beat your husband or your wife when you shouldn't have? You ever slapped your kids when you shouldn't have? You ever slapped that girl next door because she had her music too loud? You ever tried beating somebody down in the parking lot because they took your parking space? You're a violent person. So far, you got three things in common with Paul. You're a blaspheming, persecuting, violent person. And so sometimes when we read scripture, we like to distance ourselves from people like Paul. We say, well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I got sin, but I'm not like Paul. Paul was torturing people, beating people, imprisoning people. But in our hearts and minds, we, we do all types of dirty things. And so Paul has this understanding that although he was all of these things, Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us falls short of God's glory. Paul understood that because of grace, he had access. Here's my first point for you today. Here's point number one, that I was outpaced by grace. I was outpaced by grace. Listen to verse 14. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Paul hinges his forgiveness and salvation on the indisputable fact that grace, the unmerited favor of God, something he did not deserve, could not earn, met him right where he was. He said grace was poured out on me on the road to sin. Grace met me right where I was sinning. Grace came to me. He does not point to his works. He does not point to his preaching, his teaching, his writing. He only points to grace as being the saving factor in his life. Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ. But the Bible says this, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. What does this mean, pastor? That even in the midst of my sinfulness, God's grace met me where I was at. I couldn't sin my way out of his grace because he poured it out ahead of me so that I could fall into it. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything to get outside of God's will. Every time I tried, I found myself caught up in his grace. 
if you've ever left God's will, you know what I'm talking about. It's really hard to leave God's will. He keeps pulling you back in. I got a purpose for you. I got a plan for you. You can't leave that way. I have something for you. Grace outruns us. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Forgiveness, salvation. And grace outpaced me even in my younger years. I tried to send my way out of church, but grace was there to meet me. Grace was always there to upkeep me and hold me. Just the other day, I think it was Friday. Yeah, it was Friday. I was at the mall, and I didn't bring my double shoulder with me. And so I, was, I had Myla in one arm and Aria, because Myla didn't want to be in, the, in the, the shoulder anymore. And I had Aria, who's my oldest. She's just turned two. And she was walking around, and she was going everywhere. I mean, just everywhere. And, and whoever, whoever made those candy stations at the mall, in Trumbull Mall, they're related to Satan. Because at every corner and angle, there's candy there from the devil. And my little two-year-old was running around. She'd make the first curve. Oh, candy, daddy, candy, candy. I want candy. And she would go to every single one of them and flip it open and see if there was something in there. Finally, I went to, I went to a store and got some change. And I, then, then the problem was the next one. Oh, daddy, candy, candy, candy. And then, and then she saw that guy with the train, the little choo-choo train. He's also related to Satan. <laughs> the guys is they're just like, I'm like, no, no. She's like, that, 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 uh, uh, daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm like, and she climbed in. I had to pay for her because she climbed in. Here I am, 30 years old, Miley here, Aria sitting down, just choo-choo. I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but I owned it. I got my video quarter out. Come on, baby. Choo-choo. I was the loudest person on that train. But then I go upstairs because I learned there was no candy upstairs. <laughs> Only downstairs, praise God. And then buy the permit for the second floor. And I'm by H&M and Aria takes off and starts running towards Macy's. My wife's in H&M. I got Miley here. Aria's just gone. I mean, she's running as fast as her little midget legs will take her. She's just gone, gone. And she's all the way back to Diva now. I'm still at H&M. I'm like, Aria, get over here. She ain't listening. And so I got to chase her down. I didn't run. I got a baby in my hands. I'm too cool to run in the mall. She had already made me break her sweat downstairs. I wasn't doing it upstairs. And all I did was this. I just. I wasn't going to run. No. Not going to happen. I got Miley here. I don't want to break her neck just running. No. No. understood that because I was bigger than her and I could take bigger steps even though I'm little that I would eventually outpace her see now I'm back to preaching and every time I try to outrun God with my little legs and you try to sin your way out of God's will all God had to do was keep a steady pace of grace on you and you realize that grace outpaced you every you tried to turn your back on God. You wanted to quit every other week, but just grace kept on steady pacing you. You have to understand that grace outpaces you. And if it wasn't for that, we'd all be lost. 
Romans chapter 5, but God displayed his great love for me that while I was yet still a sinner, Christ died for me. That's grace outpacing you. Before you were ever born, God did the work and finished it. Are you hearing me? It's undeserved. Undeserved, but God does it nonetheless. And here's what Paul says in verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. So Paul continues on this thought. He has absolutely no illusions of how terrible he is. Paul knows how sinful he was. And he says this phrase, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Only four other times in scriptures does he use this. And he uses this phrase, deserves full acceptance, meaning mind, body, and soul. You need to understand this and comprehend this. And then he says this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul declares that the very reason Jesus came to the world is for sinners. We know this, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that any who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life, right? We know this, right? But Paul has no illusions that he was good. Some of us, we think that we're good and our goodness gets us into heaven. We almost think that God is lucky to have us because we think we're pretty awesome. Like God lucked out, man. He got me right when he needed me, man. This is great. We think that, that we're doing God a favor by being here. But Paul has no such illusions because Paul knows that he's done ungodly things. He knows that he, he, he's responsible for the death of many Christians. He knows that he's responsible for the persecution and the torture and imprisonment of many Christians. He knows that he's taken mothers from their children and fathers from their wives. He knows that. He's done these. Paul knows this. And he says, Christ Jesus came to die for sinners, but he adds a little extra of whom I am the worst. Paul had a self-revelation of who he really was. There was no illusion in Paul's mind as to how sinful he was. Many of us, we have that illusion. We stack ourselves up against other people. Well, I'm not as bad as that person. Well, I I don't do this. Oh, I don't do that. They do that. I do this. It's not as bad. But Paul understood, and he called himself the chief of sinners. You have to understand by this, this is Paul's last, one of his last things he ever wrote to the church, the book of Timothy. Second Timothy is his last one. This is first Timothy. The next one is his last one. He, he, you have to understand this. He has preached the, the word of God to thousands of people. He's planted dozens of churches. He, he's, he's done many great things for God. And yet Paul says, I am, not a past tense, a present tense, that I am still chief of sinners. In other words, Paul says, although I'm redeemed, I'm still in need daily of forgiveness. I'm still in need daily for God to touch my heart and touch my life. He says, I am the worst one. Here's point number two. The worthy one died for the worst one. That's what he's saying. Jesus, the perfect son of God, who lived a perfect life, he poured out his abundant grace on me, and he met me right in my place of sin because he had already died for my sins, and he's done this great work. The worthy one has died for the worst one. I I wish that the church would understand our true condition. It's easy to understand when you say stuff like, well, I'm a sinner. What does that really mean? A sinner, by definition, means that you are eternally separated from God until you get saved and redeemed. 
A sinner is what the Bible calls an enemy of God. It's no small thing, the deep darkness of sin. It's no small thing how evil sin is to God. But we treat it as if it's, well, it's just sin. There's water, bread, and there's sin. It's just, it's just normal. No, God says, no. He says, sin is darkness to me. And what does darkness have to do with light? God is light. Sin is dark. You can't have both. And Paul understands this, and Paul has this revelation. He had a right view of self. Church, you need a right view of self, not a view of condemnation, not a view that sends yourself to hell, but a right view of who you really are and a right view that says, I am a sinner, I am in need of a Savior, and without God, I'm lost eternally. Instead of saying, I'm a good person, I go to church, I think I'll make it. It doesn't work like that. That, that's not how it works. Jesus, he died for all of us. The, the big problem today is that we don't see ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior. And therefore, we never experience the true depth of God's grace. Many of us consider ourselves Christians just in need of a daily dose of Jesus. I'm a sinner in need of grace. I need God. I, I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. For without it, I'm eternally, I need it daily. Every time I make a mistake, I throw myself at the altar. God, forgive me. Every time I know I've come up short, God, I don't want to live outside your will. Forgive me with great fear and intrepidation because I know that God is sovereign and holy and righteous and I need to approach him properly. I know that I can't have defiled hands. I know that I can't live in sin and love God. I have to live holy and live righteously. I know this. And Paul understood this and he knew that only Jesus was good. Only Jesus was righteous. Only Jesus was perfect. Only he was holy before God. And yet, this same perfect, righteous Jesus died for this sinful Paul. This sinner Paul. This Paul who who really was the worst of the worst in his own mind. And Paul, he says it best when he says, I'm the chief of sinners. Jesus is the worthy one. I'm the chief of all sinners. Jesus is what we need. And and Paul understands that he was undeserving of God's grace. He called himself a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent man. He said, I know all these things about myself. You see, that's the thing about it. Paul understood things about himself. With See, the thing is this, is that when you have a right view of self, you know how really bad you are. When you got a right view of self, you know how many people you killed in your mind. When you got a right view of self, it's because you know the inside. Nobody knows you like you know you except for God. Nobody knows the deep, dark, disgusting, lustful, sexually immoral thoughts that process in your mind. Nobody knows how many men or women you slept with in your heart. Nobody knows how the deep, and you can put all the nice clothes on the outside. You can put all your praise Jesus on. But God knows the truth. And Paul was not concerned with exterior behavior. He knew that inside he was a dirty man. He knew that in his past he was sinful. Had no illusions about his dirtiness. That's why he could say, I'm I'm the chief of sinners. Right here. 
front of the line, sign me up. Sign me up. And it wasn't because he was condemning himself. He just had a right view of himself in response to God who's righteous and holy and perfect. And he never wanted to approach God and say, well, God, I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy. No, I'm terrible. I've made many mistakes. I've made many mistakes. And Paul says, I don't want to make those mistakes anymore. I'm walking with Jesus. He's poured his grace out. And in these verses, understand that Paul is thanking God for all the things that God has done in Paul's life. He's thanking him. He's giving God glory. He's giving God praise. It's a beautiful thing. And then Paul says this. Because Paul understands he's undeserving. And I'll close with this. Paul understands that he's undeserving. How many of you know we're undeserving of God's mercy? We weren't worth the cost of his son, but he paid the price nonetheless. We weren't worth it at all, but he paid the price. And what a high price it was, my friends. A high price to pay the life of his son for you and for me. But listen to what Paul said in verse 16. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Did you catch that? Did you just, did you just catch that, what he just said? I'm going to read it to you one more time because I want you to catch it. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy. See, Paul says to him, Timothy, Timothy, I was ignorant and I was an unbeliever. I made tons of mistakes, tons of sins in my life. But for this very reason, for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, somebody say in me. And then he says it again, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Here's, here's, here's point number three. Here it is right here. Are you ready? He says, God did it in me so somebody else would believe. He said, God did it in me so that somebody else would believe. And so Paul says, I was so bad that when I got saved and they told the apostles that I got saved, nobody believed that I got saved. Now, let me throw a disclaimer out here. If you've ever told your family that you go to church and they say, you go to church? You're in Paul's group. (laughs) You see, when I see people from my past and I see people that I went to school with, I don't like telling them I'm a pastor now. Because they say stuff like, you? You're a pastor? Because they understood my past. But Paul says this, God did it in me so that I can be an example for others. And that others will be able to see in me the patience of God. And that if God could do it with me and deal with me, he could do it for somebody else. Paul said, he did it in me so that I could be an example for somebody else. Because if I can be saved in my sinfulness, in my decrepitness, in my my complete 
error of living. If, if, if God could do it in me, he could do it in your families. If you ever wonder why God saved you, it wasn't. Number one, he saved us because he loves us. But the second reason is he saved us so he could show us as his example. That's what Paul is saying. And some of us aren't really good examples. At all. See, when, when you want to hire a contractor, you ask him for other places he's worked at. So you can see his work. I don't know about you fellas. I don't trust just any old barber. I check his Facebook to see if he got some good pictures up there. If he got somebody walking out looking jacked up, I'm not going to you. Point blank. It's the truth. My dad told me, never trust a barber that wears a hat. And don't trust skinny chefs. I'm just playing, but hey. But one day I was throwing a party and this guy comes up to me and he says, I cook. I can, I can cook for your party. And I said, bring me a sample of your food. Because I don't want to hire you, then you can't cook. And he brought me a sample of ribs, mac and cheese, and collard greens. It was amazing. It was so good, I called some people on his reference list to make sure he wasn't lying. I thought he bought it. It was that good. What am I saying? That anything of value worth requiring, acquiring rather, you, you have to show a sample of it. This is my work. This is what I can do. This was a hard job. We built this house. We built that building. We paid this parking lot. We cooked this food. We did that party. We did this. We did that show. We did all these things. When God wants to save a sinner, he says, look at him. Look at her. Look at this person. Look at that person. Look over there. We are his example. And God did it in me so that somebody else could see the patience of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God. God, why did you do this in me? So that somebody else could see my love. My strength, my power, my patience. And Paul says, Paul says, Tim, Timothy, God redeemed me and saved me so that others could see how patient God. What does Paul mean? Paul was killing people. He was, he was just bad. And he says, if God can save me and show his patience in me, he can do it for anybody else. And maybe today, you might be a Paul who's been redeemed, or you might be a somebody else. And I want to challenge you that if God could do it in us, he can do it in you. That if God could do it in the people around us, he can do it right in your heart. And although we are undeserving, the beauty of God is that he pours it out on us anyways. Because God is loving and slow to anger. He loves you dearly. He loves you with all of his heart. And his number one desire is that we would be saved, that we would believe in him and have eternal life. And then when God saves you, he just like Paul said, he uses us as his example. God did it in me so that more and others and somebody else could believe in God. Come on, would you stand with me right now? He did it in me so that somebody else, come on, somebody else could believe. He did it in me so that somebody else could believe him. Come on, he did it for you. He did it for me. Find somebody next to him. He did it for you.
Come on, he did it for us here today. So that you could be a shining example of God's work. That if he can clean us up, he can clean everybody up. And God likes to show the people who used to sin the most, he shows you off the most. Look what I can do in that person right there. You don't know what they look like before I got through with them. It was a hard job, but it was worth it because I love them. Come on, he did it for you so that somebody else can see. That means when God changes your life, you can't keep it into yourself. When God does a miracle in your life, you can't keep it in. You got to tell somebody about the good news of Jesus. You got to tell somebody about that life you have in you. You got to let it be known that God is working a miracle in your life. You got to let it be known that God is taking the sinfulness out. He's pouring grace in. He's fulfilling me. He's giving me a new purpose. He's giving me a new life. And I'm grateful for it. Because if he could do it in me, he could do it in my cousins. He could do it in my aunts, my uncles, my family, my friends. You see, God's trying to show you off to the people around you. To the people who don't know God, who are in your circles, God's trying to show you them so that they can see him in you. He's trying to show them that if God can heal your broken heart and fix your situation, he could do it in them. He could do it in them. My prayer is this week, you will be a shining example of God's undeserving, unmerited favor. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. But he pours it out on you nonetheless because he loves you. And he's a good, good father. He's a good father. Therefore, Romans 5.1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, if you receive that, lift your hands. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That through him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Meaning right now we stand in it and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Come on, if you know you're standing in grace right now, would you lift your hands from the front to the back? If you know it, God, I know I'm, I, I'm only here because of your mercy. I shouldn't have made it this far. I'm only here because you're calling me. I, I'm only here because you purposed my life. I, I, I don't deserve what you've given me. I deserve anything that I should have got, but I could be dead right now. I could be in jail right now. I could be all situations right I could be anywhere, but you got me here in the house of God sanctified, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost changing lives around I may not be where I want to be right now but God you've got me where you need me right now I wish you would give him praise right now for the, just for having you in his hand I could still be hurt by my divorce but I'm healed I could still be suffering in my mind but you healed my mental wounds I could be sick in my body but you healed me God could have no purpose but you've given me purpose my God he did it in me so that others would believe he'll do it in you right now so that others can believe around you that your family will be like whoa you're so changed what happened to you well I got saved I gave my life to Jesus and when they see it in you they'll come to believe it's real